Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Uh, a lot of people, some people know this, like my good buddy here, because uh, they're freaking out while this was happening to me. But there was a time in my life when I actually lived in a little tiny country in Asia called North Korea. And I lived there for about, uh, for about a month. It was about four weeks and some change. It was November of 2010. And I got to have Thanksgiving in North Korea, which is a very weird holiday to be thankful for America while you're living in a country that hates America. It's very weird. It's awkward. But... It was awesome. We got there and they had, uh, we got it so hilarious. He took a country that honestly, one of the strongholds of the country is that there's like no, not much emotion. It's very much like this like ritual and like go, 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 like communism, very structured, very like no one can be, have much emotion, right? And he he gets a team of a bunch of like 20 year old women and three guys and we're all very emotional people. God's hilarious, right? He takes a very emotional team and drops them in the middle of a country that needs emotions, okay? And, And we had five women and three guys and there's this, we get there and they give us these two, um, they're basically guards. They say they're tourist guides, but they're, they're pretty much guards. And they're assigned to basically be with us, basically to guide us around, but really to watch us as well. And, and these, these two guards, um, they, at the very beginning, we start talking to them. They're being all nice, but they're kind of like, we're just doing this because we have to like we don't really want to be here we don't want to be with you guys and 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 one of them one of them says this thing he he's talking about the history of of korea north korea things like that and so he gets to the war where america went and fought you know north korea but it's from their point of view and what he says is he says he says you know we don't it's okay we don't blame any of the women and he's like because there's five women on the team he's like it wasn't the women's fault they didn't come to war with us they didn't fight us like it's totally okay women not your fault you know and then and all the women are like oh yay he likes me you know and then there's three guys on the team myself and two other guys who were uh, korean american guys born and raised here but they're korean descent and he says and we don't blame korean americans because he's like because he says because the americans grabbed them enslaved them and forced them to go to america which isn't true but that's what he they really believe that in north korea and then he's like and then he stops and he's like it was the white american man's fault <laughs> and he looks at me and i like look around at every person on my team and i'm like by golly, I think he's talking about me. <laughs> you know, like, oh, oh no, <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, dang it. Like, it's, and he's like, it, so basically, it's your fault. And then he, like, moves on, right? And I'm like, oh, man, strike one. Like, hi, my name's Taylor. Oh, dang it. <laughs> like, that didn't work. Okay, so basically, uh, I really want to say, I want to win this guy over. I want to show him the love of Jesus. I'm trying to be a missionary. I want to show him. Uh, my heart was to show him that, uh, Christianity is not a white American male religion. Hey. Jesus was not white, oh, right? <laughs> That's okay. Like he wasn't, you know, he was, he was Arabic, totally different. Didn't speak English. Like Christianity is not an American religion, right? And so I'm trying to separate America and his hatred for America for, from the Lord. So I, I, I talked to him. Uh, I basically have him. Uh, there's, this, there's this moment, him and I are alone two or three weeks in. He's starting to warm up to me because I'm like always asking questions. I'm trying to learn their language. I'm having him teach me the alphabet. I'm just being the annoying little brother who just keeps asking him a million questions. And he basically, uh, and his, his wall starts to go down a little bit. 
And it's, it, I feel so bad for these guys. They like, uh, uh, we, we were trying to be, we tried to, we did things kind of that just really annoyed them now that I look back at it. And whether they liked it or not, they were basically in charge to kind of like shepherd our group of people. And, and they're like, oh, we, we are just doing this because we have to. And basically we would do this thing where it's like, there's only two of them and there's eight of us. And they were like, so if we all run in different directions, like, <laughs> we'll get really far before they tell us to stop. And so it's probably not the most honoring thing in the world. But we'd all be like, look at that! And we'd walk away in opposite directions and just totally play stupid. And these poor guys are just like, oh, 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 like panicking, trying to grab all of us. And then they'd sit us down and lecture us like parents to their kids. It's dangerous. You can't go out and do that alone. You know, all this stuff. And we're like, oh, we're sorry. You know? And, and it totally started to become this. They, they started to fall in love with us. About a month into it, they're like, they say, you are very emotional people, is what they tell us. They say, you are very loud people, <laughs> is what they tell us. They say, like, you are very, very different from, our, from us, right? But they start to fall in love because every single day, we, we encourage them, we tell them we love them, we, 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 and we start to break down this barrier. Eventually, uh, the guy, he sees how hard I'm trying, and he starts to really, I, I can see he's starting to like me, okay? And then... I go and I one day I read this Korean word and he looked like a proud father. He was just like, like, and he looks at me and I was like, I read this word, I was like, mul, as I read it in Korean. I'm like, that means water, right? And he looks at me and he's like, I'm like so happy. And he looks at me, he's like, I think you are Korean on the inside. <laughs> and I was like, amen, brother. <laughs> yeah. And then basically I say to him and I start talking. And at the very end, a month has gone by. And I can share more of the story. I already went way too long, and I could talk about it forever. Uh, but at the end, he talks to me, and I say this word to him. I say, can I call you young? Which means older brother. And I know that's a really intimate thing, right? And so before, so he's like, white American man, you're bad. And it, by the end, he looks at me, and he says, I, I would very much like it if you called me young. And so then by the end of the trip, I was able to call him my older brother. And he like hugged me, shook my hand, said he would always remember me. And everything changed in this man's life. And he started to fall in love with Jesus. We heard years later that he actually gets out of the country and is asking questions about Jesus. And he went from from one all the way to other. I, I, I tell you this story because honestly, weather does not matter the difference of ethnicity, the difference of place, different of all this culture, all this stuff. Jesus's love breaks down every wall. Yeah. Also, <laughs> there's something about whether you want to or not, when you're in charge of shepherding a group and you spend a lot of time with them, you begin to fall in love with them. Doesn't matter if they're the worst people ever. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's a different culture, different group. When you start to take ownership of something and you say, this is my group, my people, my responsibility, you begin to fall in love. There was this verse, chapter was really the only one I was trying to memorize when I lived there. And I would read it every night. And I used to, I'm not the best at memorizing things, guys. And so I would read it, read it, then I would write it out. And I have books filled with just this passage. And it was Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And that passage marked my entire stay of living in North Korea. There was days when I was freaked out. I said, God, you're my shepherd. 
you're my shepherd. You're my shepherd. There's other days when it was like, yeah, we're totally fine, but I still, I, I, I win it. And, and we've been doing this series called, do you guys remember what it's called? Last week. This is who he is. Last week we talked all about Jesus, and it was probably the most theological message I've ever preached in my entire life. Uh, it was very teacher, very theological, breaking down the original Hebrew, things like that. Um, and uh, but but it was all. Uh, I mean, I thought it was awesome, but maybe. Not. But okay, so. Tonight's going to be very different, though. But tonight we're in our series, and we are continuing this, this thing of this is who God is. I really believe that if we stop, like, sometimes it's good to look inward, but sometimes we can look so down inward that it hurts us outward. If I'm looking at my pants all the time, eventually I'm going to run into someone. It's like when people are playing Pokemon Go, and they, like, walked off a cliff in Encinitas. You guys remember that? Like, that was crazy because people were so looking inward, so focusing on this thing that we actually end up hurting ourselves. What if we put it all down, we looked up, we looked at Jesus, that would actually change us even more. And so we're doing a series on focusing on this is who he is, and that changes me. And so tonight, we talked about Jesus last week. We're still talking about Jesus. Surprise! Every message is about Jesus. It all points to Jesus. That's what we talked about last week. But tonight, I want to focus on this phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. This is who he is. A shepherd. And so we're going to go through Psalms 23. Are we cool with that tonight, guys? So take out your Bibles or take out your phones. Or if you have neither, it's written on your heart. So open up your heart and take a look at it. So here we go. Psalms 23. There's something about shepherds that God loves. The first thing he said to Adam was take care of the animals, right? Shepherd them. The fourth man ever born on the earth was Abel. And his job was he was a herdsman and a shepherd. Uh, All the patriarchs, uh, most of them. At one point, they were shepherds. Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. Joseph, for a time before he was in prison, he helped. He knew how to shepherd, right? And there's almost like it's some kind of a rite of passage. It's almost like God says, before I can trust you to shepherd my people, you got to go to the field and be a shepherd. It's this like weird thing. God loves shepherds. Who's the first ones he shows up to when he's born? Shepherds, right? Like... What does he call himself over and over again? The good shepherd. Like there's something about it. He says, you need to understand that I am the shepherd. And if you get, I'm the shepherd, it'll actually change you. Mm. And so tonight, like so us, we're like, shepherd, that's so poetic. That's beautiful. (laughs) Right? Oh, great. What else is he? And we move on. And God over and over, beginning to end of the book says, shepherd, focus on the fact that I'm a shepherd. Remember, I'm a shepherd. Hey, I came to shepherds. Remember David? He was a shepherd. Remember? And he keeps saying this, trying to drill it in our minds. And we're like, oh, that's cool. We'll move on to the next verse. So what if we focus tonight on what it means that God's our shepherd? And what does it mean for us to become shepherds? Is that cool? Can we do that tonight for a little bit? Yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. So, David. We go to David in the Bible. Surprise, he was a shepherd. So he was a shepherd before he killed Goliath, okay? David, out in the field, little shepherd boy, right? He becomes king, kills Goliath, does all these things. There's a moment in his life when he writes this passage, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He could have written, the Lord is my king, 
because David was a king. He could have written the Lord was a warrior. He could have written he was my savior. He was my redeemer. He was my all this stuff. But he chose to say he is my shepherd. There's this quote. I don't, I don't even know who this guy is, but I love this quote. This guy, Kingsley Perwari Manuel. This is what he says. He says, Bible study without Bible experience is pointless. He says, knowing Psalms 23 is different from knowing the shepherd. So many of us, we say, God is my shepherd. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. I've never even seen it. <laughs> you know, I saw it at the zoo once. That's cool. You know, like, <laughs> what does that mean? You know, like, okay, what does this mean? I really believe this one truth of God is my shepherd. It'll transform how we see God. And ultimately, it'll transform how we see ourselves. And it will transform how we live out our life. So, Psalms 23. 23. The Lord... This word is Yahweh. Remember we talked about that last week? Yahweh actually points to Jesus. When you break it down, it actually literally says, look at the hands, look at the nails. It's Jesus. So Jesus here is my shepherd. The word shepherd is this word. Everyone say this. Ra'ah. Ra'ah. Okay. It means to, to, to tend, to graze, to feed, to rule, to teach, to shepherd. But it also means this. It means to associate with, to be a friend of, to be a companion with. To be a special friend. Oh, he's my special friend. Jesus is the one who tends to me. Is that, that seems weird. When you say the Lord is my shepherd, a lot of times you think he's the one who guides me like with his big staff and I follow him. Yeah, that's true. But it also means he's the one who tends to me and feeds me. You see, my boss is not in charge of my paycheck. My shepherd is, because he feeds me, right? My apartment complex is not charging my rent. My shepherd is, because he provides for me. Do you see how already, if you say he's my shepherd, if you, if you throw out all of Psalms 23 and you said the Lord's my shepherd, if you really focus on it, it'll change your life. He's the one who teaches me. This is the first temptation in the Bible, is, is that... Uh, the, the serpent goes to Adam and Eve and he takes the fruit and he says this, if you eat it, will give you the, what? the knowledge of good and evil. You don't need to get knowledge from anyone else. You have it yourself. Ooh. This is the opposite. Mm. This says, I refuse to get knowledge from anyone else. He teaches me. Wow. Yeah. Do you see how this is back to the garden? God is where I get my knowledge from. He teaches me. I'm not going to take it for myself. Wow. But I'm actually going to restore my place to how I was always meant to be and let him shepherd me. The Lord is my shepherd. It also means to associate with me, be my friend and my companion. Somehow he rules over me. Somehow he teaches me. Somehow he guides me. And yet at the same time, he says, I associate myself with with you. I, I've been a team leader for a lot of, for, for a youth group for a long time, but then also for teams. Sometimes it's the team, sometimes it's the youth group, but oh, there's always a time you're in another country and I'm sitting over there getting something and I see looks of people like, who are they over there? And my look and my team's all like loud and being American, you know? <laughs> or my youth group's doing something and you're like, Durr! Like at one time at the movie theater, I looked over. I looked over at the movie theater and the kids are drinking butter out of the thing. And, and I'm like, uh. <laughs> part of me was like, that's awesome. And I actually ran over and I did it too with them. But, but for a moment, the guards are like, 
who are these people? And I could be like, I don't know, that's crazy. Or I could be like, they're mine. I associate myself with them. A shepherd is nothing without his sheep. His name, shepherd, has shep, which is sheep, and herd, like the herd of sheep. He's herding sheep, shepherd. His whole occupation is he associates himself with these animals. These they're sometimes dirty and gross and they smell bad and they're not like fluffy and white they're usually covered in their own junk and blood and stuff like that and he's like I spend my days with them the shepherd actually unfortunately begins to even smell like his sheep because the shepherd will actually not be with anyone he'll just be with his sheep all day every day Jesus is not afraid to associate himself with us. We don't need to clean ourselves up to go be with the shepherd. He actually says, I'll probably end up smelling like you, but that's okay. Uh, I'm your shepherd. I'm not afraid of your junk. I associate myself with you. I meet you where you are at. I don't say, hey, get clean and then I'll be your shepherd. He's like, no, you're not going to be able to get clean unless I'm your shepherd. This alone flushes out every insecurity in my life. If I focus on, if I look at my crud and then I'm like, wait, 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 my shepherd. It changes my insecurities. I don't have to worry about if I'm going to be provided for. I don't have to worry about my money. I don't have to worry about my job. I don't have to worry about if I'm a success or a failure. He wants to associate himself with me. He says, that's Taylor. I'm with him. Come on. Like every fear, every insecurity, every, I can, it's impossible for me to be a loner because I'm with him. And now I'm not afraid if people think I'm a loner or if I'm weird, I'll go to them and I'll be like, hey, I love you. If you don't like me, that's okay. He still does. I'm with him. Don't you want to also? It's amazing. Every insecurity gets flushed away with this idea. If I just stop and I say, he's my shepherd. The second part of the first verse is, I shall not want. This phrase, I shall not want, it actually means to not lack. It means lack. It means poverty. It means to be deprived. This means, he says, because he's my shepherd, I'm lacking nothing. Because he's my shepherd, the word poverty is not in my language. Because he's my shepherd, uh, I'm not deprived of anything. They're, like, and it's not just money. I'm not deprived of, my, of money. He, he owns the field that I, that I sheepen or herd in or whatever it's called. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I'm not deprived of like love. <clears throat> a lot of times we think we're deprived of a relationship. Wow. Or we think we're deprived of like, I'm going to be alone the rest of my life, God. You know, like, again, he's like, oh, I didn't, oh, 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 crud, I didn't notice that. You know, like... <laughs> I'm not deprived. I'm not lacking anything. And it's hilarious because, guys, there's seriously, and maybe it's just because I'm with the youth group, but there's this word called FOMO, and it's fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. This is what we do. We're like, I'm going to do Devo time. And then also your phone goes off, ding, and you're like, but my friends are going to the movies. What if I'm not, what if I'm not their Instagram post? You know, like, oh no, what if they don't tag me? You know, like, and we, we have such a fear of missing out wow. that we end up throwing away all of our boundaries. Wow. If I were to say, I'm not lacking anything, I can let my friends be friends. It's like when there's three friends and then you see two of them hanging out. And like, oh, <laughs> I thought we were best friends. Yeah. They're not allowed to be best friends without me. 
It's like, no, they're allowed to have their own relationship and friendship. A father has a unique relationship with each son. And like the, the one son doesn't have to be like, what the heck? Why is he spending time with the youngest child? And I'm not there because he has his own relationship. I become secure in me. Yeah. I can sit there and I can have, and I can be like, dude, Dominic and my buddy George, you guys go have a great time. Right? Come on. I am secure in the fact that you love me, I love you, and you guys love each other, and we're good. Yeah. I'm not, there's no jealousy. Yeah, yeah, I know. If you heard him, <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah. But you see what I'm saying? I shall not lack anything. This is emotions, this is physical, this is all of it. The Lord is my shepherd. Charles Spurgeon, he says, We have all things and we abound. Not because I have a good store of money in the bank, not because I have skill. Not because I have wit with which to win my bread, but because of this, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This right here shows me there are two kinds of people. They're the kind of people who need to be made to lay down. And they're the kind of people who need to be led and be like, get up, let's go. <laughs> I'm one of the people I have a hard time laying down I'm like like the dog where it's like the bed's there and he just keeps like circling it and he never actually lays down and you're like dude lay down and he's like I don't know how I'm trying I can't figure it out you know like I'm like one of those dogs where it is so hard for me to rest sometimes it is so hard I will but this is Dominic knows I'll go 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 meltdown Go, 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 meltdown, right? That's like, that's like how I live so often, and it's not good. It is not good. So the, the sheep, the reason it says this is because sheep are just like us. It's not a compliment when he says you're like one of sheep. It's not like, oh, I'm like a sheep. It's like, really, dog? One of those? <laughs> really? So the sheep, they will keep eating. Until they overexhaust themselves and they get so hot in that wool jacket of theirs during the noon sun, they will literally pass out and die. <laughs> like seriously, the, the shepherds make them lie down because if they don't, they will keep going until they overexhaust and they fall over. So it says, you make me lie down. The shepherd will literally stop. And be like, no more eating. And put them back. Like, stop it. Right? He will make them rest. This is a real practical thing. I, you can Google it, look it up. It literally says shepherds have to take their sheep to shade or somewhere. And like, it's like the kindergarten teacher. It's nap time now. No talking. Lay down. <laughs> right? I have a Like, stop it. Nap time. Lay down. Right? This. One sheep, two sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Guys. But how often do we do this, guys? Your work and your work ethic don't even define you. Your, your, our, our ability to work, it's a good thing. It's very good. Work ethic, it's, it's huge, it's good, it's really good. But we have to rest. We have to lie down. He's my shepherd, which means it's okay for me to take a Saturday. Which means I also establish boundaries again, and I'm a powerful person, and I can say, I'm in a meeting, I can't hang out right now, and my meeting is like, I'm playing Xbox with Dominic, because <laughs> I'm resting. Yeah. Yeah. And I say, I'm sorry, I cannot 
do certain things right now because he's making me lie down right now. But then there's the other kind of person who takes six days of Sabbath and one day of work. And, and, and this kind of person, too, where it's, it's usually about 50-50. Someone else has a hard time getting up and going. The other people have a hard time laying down. And, and, and this one, God says, he leads me beside still waters. Did you know, okay, sheep are total water snobs. You know, the people where it's like, you know, I'm like, I, I'm like, I drink Arrowhead. And they're like, and they look at you like, oh, <laughs> what? And they're like, yeah, I only drink Fiji, right? And they're like, I didn't know I was like fancier than you are, you know? And I'm like, I didn't even know there was a difference, right? And so sheep are the same way. They actually, if the water's moving too fast, they will not drink it. If the water's in the wrong spot, they will not drink it. If the water has like any little, like, I don't know, they won't drink it. They will only drink out of still waters. And it has to be the right, it has to be easily accessible with the perfect little shore and the perfect everything for the sheep to actually drink it. Can you imagine how frustrating that's got to be for a shepherd? To be like, you are dying. You need water. And then and the sheep are like, uh, it's too hot. <laughs> this is where he leads them. And he's like, get up, let's go get water. <laughs> okay. What's wild is the shepherd will go. And he goes before the sheep. And the sheep have a choice. I sit here and I no longer am with my shepherd, but I get to be comfortable in my little spot. Or my hunger to be with my shepherd is greater than my hunger to be comfortable right now. I'm going to get up and follow him. The hunger for the presence of the shepherd is stronger than the hunger to say, but it's comfortable here. Wow, come on. And so often, guys, we as Christians, we just say, but I'm comfortable where I'm at. And I know so many people, and I've even done this, where it's like so many people come to me and they say, I haven't felt God in so long. You know? And then you're like, well, what are you doing? And they're like, I've been doing the same thing every day for like three years. And you're like, well, that's awesome. But you ate all the grass right there. Wow. You got to follow to where the Lord's taking you somewhere else. And there's sometimes people that they say, I used to encounter God so strongly in worship, and now I'm not. And I'm like, well, what do you think he's trying to show you? And it's like, well, maybe he's trying to get you to, he, he, he dried up that area so that you'll pick up your Bible and read the word. And it's like, uh, I, used to read, I used to read Romans all day, every day, and it was the best ever. And it still is. It still, still is. But then you're like, but for some reason I'm not encountering God right now. And it's like, well, maybe he wants to show you the other 65 books in the Bible, you know? And that's okay. And we have seasons. And then the grass grows back and we can go back to Romans and eat it again, you know? But there's times when we need to get up and we need to, to move. That's good. And be uncomfortable. Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me besides the still water. He restores my soul. This word restores, it means to turn back, to turn to, to return, to restore, to bring back, to recover, to be returned to, to brought back. It's bringing back something that was lost. And the soul, what it means in this word, it's not like this ethereal, like your soul. You know, like we always say soul, like soul's God. And it's like, what's a soul? what does that even mean? You know, and, and, and right here, it's your mind, your, your seat of emotions, your desires, your all of that. 
And so when he says, I restore your soul, I'm restoring your mind. I'm restoring your heart. I'm restoring your desires. I'm restoring your will. I'm restoring you again. So good. That means I lost it. I lost my mind. I lost my heart. I lost my desire even to want God. I've lost it. He says, I'm restoring it back to you. Spend time with the shepherd and he will restore back to you what was lost. Yeah. He restores my soul. This is how I got healed of depression, guys. I used to be chronically depressed. I used to be someone who I hated my life. I hated waking up in the morning. I'd wake up and I would lay there and I'd be like, God, why'd you let me wake up today? It was gnarly. And I did that for a while. And then I had to get up and say, wait, God is taking me over there. And I, it was not comfortable and I hated every second of it. But finally, but I met God. And he restored my soul. My desires came back again. My, my mind came back again. My heart came back again. He healed me. If you want to be healed... Spend time with the shepherd. Are you exhausted? Turn to the shepherd. Are you poor? Turn to the shepherd. Are you tired? He's your shepherd. Are, what is it? Everyone has something different. He's your shepherd. Yes. That's the answer. God cannot be just a, 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 a crutch I lean on sometimes when I'm having a hard day. God has to basically be the full life support for everything in me. He is everything. He restores everything. He has to be the the, the oxygen machine that keeps me going. He has to be the thing that gives me food. He has to be everything I lay my body on. Not just some crutch I lean on when when I can't do it on my own. He has to be everything. He has to be. This is how you overcome hopelessness. Because when you realize he's the God who restores, I'm not worried of failure. I'm not worried what if I messed up because he's going to restore it. I'm not worried about what if I don't make it. He restores it. I'm not worried about what if I fail. He he restores me. I'm willing to take chances because he's the restorer. Part of being a shepherd is he restores. He restores my soul. Hopelessness goes away. Negativity goes away. Negativity fast. Some of us need negativity fast. Uh, I would rather some of us just like chew food or negativity. Stop being negative. <laughs> like I'd rather like like eat your food and fast negativity. You know, like this is actually this will do more for your heart than even food will sometimes. You know, like ne- when you are realizing he's the restorer. Why am I being sarcastic and negative and 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 right? Because if I'm negative about something, he's actually, that, is me, that means I don't really believe he can restore it. It forces me, if I really believe he's the restorer, almost everything that comes out of my mouth is a filter of restoration. It's a filter of healing, a filter of life, a filter of positivity. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You see, David, he suffered a huge amount of heartbreak. Uh, David, he, there's this, this is, he writes this, Psalms 23, at a point in his life uh, when his own son grows up, his son Absalom, and his son betrays David. And is like, hey, dad, I want to be king. You're done. And his son shows up, tries to kill his own father, kicks David out of the kingdom. 
And David is leaving Jerusalem. And as he leaves as a defeated king, he begins to write this. And as he's leaving, he goes to this area. There's where Jerusalem is up on this kind of this mountain area. And he goes down this valley. And the name of the valley is the Valley of Kidron. And it means like shadows and like a darkness. And it's actually the same place where they buried people. And it's a grave site. So when David says, Lord, well, even though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, gravesite, even though everything I've known has been taken from me, even though I'm not king anymore, even though I'm literally running through the only escape route, this little, little valley that takes me away from my home and it's shadow and it's morning and there's gravesites surrounding me. Even then, I know you are with me. I will fear no evil you are with me even when i lose everything god mm. you're my shepherd come on even then what's wild is jesus remember one of his names he calls himself the good shepherd, shepherd. the good shepherd a lot of people don't know this but if you keep following that valley of kidron and the path it takes you down the valley and then at the end of the valley, it takes you up. And it takes you to a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was the same place Jesus went to when he was captured. Jesus himself would have walked out of Jerusalem as the good shepherd down through the exact same valley of the shadow of death, knowing he's going to be betrayed, just like David was betrayed. The, David, the beloved one, was betrayed by his family. And he's forced to walk through this. Now, a thousand years later, Jesus is betrayed. And he's walking through, knowing he's about to die. And he's walking through the exact same valley of the shadow of death. And now the good shepherd. And I just, uh, man, I just wonder when you put these together. It's like Jesus is walking through. And he's, I remember when I shepherded David through this exact same valley. Jesus, knowing Jesus is the good shepherd, conquers every fear in my life. That's good. Even betrayal. Yes. Knowing he's my shepherd allows me to actually forgive when I'm betrayed, even. Knowing Jesus is the good shepherd. And the thing is, it's the shepherd will only take you where he himself has gone goes before his sheep. This means that by calling him the shepherd, you're also saying, God, I understand that you've been here before. Mm, You're saying that I'm going this way and I trust that you're right there ahead of me. You know exactly what I'm going through. There's no saying like, you have no idea what it's like, God. He's like, no, like I literally walked through the exact same path. Like I totally exactly understand. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, if we focus on this truth that this is who he is, shepherd, it every insecurity, fear, unforgiveness, bitterness, my past, my future, my money, my relationship, all of it gets healed. All of it gets healed after this one truth. He is my shepherd. 
Hebrews 13.20 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So Jesus, he he talks about this. He's talking about the good shepherd. And he says that there's really, when I focus on Jesus as my shepherd, it changes me into a good shepherd for other people. And Jesus, he actually says, there are really two kinds of people in this world. I believe every single person in here is a leader of some sort. Every person is. Uh, uh, John C. Maxwell, he says this. He says, leadership is influence. Nothing more. And nothing less. It's influence. Your leadership is your influence. Do you have influence? Of course you do. You have influence. You've influence to your brother or sister or little brother or mom or dad or, or you have influence. Your life has influence. Whether you think it's great or small, you're influencing somebody with your life, which means it could be a coworker, it could be whatever, but you're influencing somebody, which means you're leading somebody. You have leadership. And as a leader, you have two options. Jesus says in John 10, we're jumping to John 10 now. He, if, verse, if you read verse 2 all the way through 18, he gives a very clear depiction of two kinds of leaders. The good shepherd and the hired hands. And he says you can be in one or you can be in the other. And then he begins to give a description of what a good shepherd looks like. And a description of what a hired hand looks like. And I read this and I'm forced to stop and put myself of like, oh my goodness. Do I think like a good shepherd? Wow. Or do I think like a hired hand? Wow. Because every area that I, I think like a hired hand, I act like a hired hand, shows me I have not encountered the good shepherd in that way. Wow. Like I've not met Jesus in that, in that way before. Wow. Or, or maybe I don't trust him in that way. Because if I look to Jesus in that way and I'm focusing on this is who he is, then it replicates that inside of me and I can act it out. So the fact that I'm not acting it out means I'm not really looking to Jesus in that area of my life. Does that make sense? Yes. I think there's a lot of pictures going on here. Sorry. I'm, like visual, I'm very visual, so I'm like visualizing it. Okay. So this is a very – we're going to shift and then I'm going to almost be done here. Okay. So this here is a packet. Take one down. Pass it around. There you go. Not a packet, piece of paper. I don't know if this is like the most professional thing in the world. I just read the passage myself and just put this together. So you could probably find a better one online or something like that. But I broke it down into two categories. I just followed verse by verse. The good shepherd's like this. The hired hand and the other guys are like this. And I broke it down and I looked at it as a category and I wanted to see in my life, okay, Am I like a shepherd? Am I like the good shepherd? Because if I say Jesus is my shepherd, I am forced to then either say I become like him or I'm a hired hand. And I want to be like the shepherd. I want to be like my Jesus. And so break this down. Let's look through this together real quick, okay? The shepherd. It says the shepherd comes in. This is what Jesus says. You can read the passage afterwards. Just for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole passage. But I put the little verses next to it, okay? So the shepherd, it says, come in through the gate. They're invited into influence into other people's lives. It's legitimate. Like the door opens. They say, hey, I came to you for help. Hey, I put you in leadership. Hey, I want you in my life. Hey, I'm asking you. Whereas it says the hired hand, uh, the thieves, they come in. They climb in over the side. It's an illegitimate way into your life or into your heart or things that's going on like that. It's basically this entitlement that says, I don't need to go in the right way. I can just climb over however I want. Wow. 
And these are people who they run, we run over boundaries. We run over people. They, they tell us, no, I don't want to talk about that. We force our way in rather than saying, okay, I'll come in the legitimate way when you invite me in. Uh, this is, it's the same way with hearts, with leadership, with positions, with jobs, with serving. Do we come in a legitimate way and we say, I want to do this the right way? Or do we shortcut it and say, no, I deserve to do it whenever I want to do it. And I'm going to climb in. That means I'm a hired hand. Uh, uh, gatekeepers, Jesus. Jesus opens to a point as a leader, so he opens the door. This means I'm waiting for God's timing. Whereas the, gate, the hired hand, he does, he, uh, the timing's in his own hands. He's like, I'm on the clock now. I'm doing it. Do we wait for God's timing in our life, or do we just say, now? Wow. I want it right now. The shepherd, the good shepherd, waited for the perfect timing. The shepherd, it says, sheep hear his voice and he knows them by name. He knows them each personally. Whereas the hired hand, the sheep hear his voice, sure, but they have no idea who he is. Wow. And he knows them by their numbers. The, the hired hand is like, yeah, you know, I started the day with 20 sheep. I ended the day with 20 sheep. Awesome. Whereas the shepherd is like, I don't know what you name sheep, but. <laughs> Billy. Hey, Phil. <laughs> hey Billy, Billy go. <laughs> right. Hey there, Fluffy. You know, like whatever it is, right? He knows them each by name. Question the people the people you influence in your life. Do you know their name, their story, who they are? Do you take the extra mile to get to know the sheep God put in your life? Or do we just say like, oh yeah, you know. The field trip started with 20 kids. We ended with 20 kids. Great. <laughs> We're okay. You know, like, wow. do you take the time to get to know the people you influence? Really good. Uh, the good shepherd goes before his sheep. He leads them where he has personally gone. Whereas the hired hand never really leads them anywhere. He never actually goes before them. The, he's like, you go do this because I don't want to. <laughs> you go do this. Whereas the shepherd's like, you're going to do this because you're following me. And this is what I'm doing. And we can just go down and you can continue to read this. But basically, uh, the sheep follow his voice. They know his voice. They're in relationship with him. He's built trust with them. Whereas the hired hand, his re- the relationship is much more motivated out of like a fear. It's like, well, I'm in charge of you, so do what I say. Whereas in the other one, it's like, no, you, you trust my voice. You know my voice. The shepherd, I'm jumping down a little bit, but the shepherd brings life into the situation. This is in verse 10, whereas the hired hand brings death. Come on. The shepherd sees trouble, conflict, and he, and he says, I'm willing to go for it. I'll lay my life down. I'll fight for this. Wow. Whereas it says the hired hand sees trouble and he goes run the other way. The, the shepherd puts himself between, him, between the wolf and the sheep. He puts himself in the middle. The hired hand takes the sheep and says, get to them first while I run. He puts the sheep wow. in the middle. You see, it's a role reversal. So when there's conflict in your life, do you run from it or do you put yourself in the middle of it to take care of it for the sake of the other person, even though it's hard, even though it's messy, even though it hurts, even though you might get bit by a wolf or even sometimes your sheep, they'll be scared. So they'll bite you, you know, like, or, or do we, are we just avoid conflict, blame it on somebody else and give a really good reason why I, it's okay that I ran away. Are we a shepherd or are we just a hired hand? The shepherd cares for the well-being of his sheep, whereas the hired hand just cares for himself. The shepherd, he makes a family wherever it goes. It says the shepherd gathers his sheep together. Wherever he goes, 
He uses influence to make a family and pull people together. When, when you walk into a room, do you gather people together or like a hired hand, do you sit there and hopefully wait for someone to gather you? When you go into a room, do you pull people together? Or, or do we just sit there and just say like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait. It's a hired hand versus a shepherd mentality. Shepherd goes in and says, I gather people together. I bring them together. The shepherd wants unity, one flock. I don't care about the color of your skin. I don't care about your political party. I don't care about your, uh, your height. I don't care about your past. I don't care about, we're one flock. We are Christians going after Jesus. Whereas the hired hand, it, it doesn't even mention, he doesn't even care about, it doesn't mention it at all. The shepherd has a powerful mindset. It says at the final verse, Jesus willingly chooses this. He says, I willingly I'm choosing to be the shepherd. Whereas the hired hand, he's just, he's just hired. If he doesn't get paid, he has no reason to be there. Mm, wow. Do you have a powerful mindset that says, I am choosing to be in this position? <laughs> or do we have a mindset where we're like, I hate my job, my boss is a jerk. And it's like, well, you could quit if you want. Mm. Right? You're a powerful person. So good. Right? Or do you say, no, I'm willingly choosing to be here. It's hard, but I'm willingly doing it. So this is what we're going to do, guys. Uh, we have, uh, it's only about 8, 8.45 right now. And I'm officially done with this. But I wanted to go uh, kind of into like kind of a, a just a reflection moment, reflection time. of really saying, God, Jesus is the good shepherd. I'm looking to Jesus. And when I see him, does that transform me into a good shepherd as well? Or am I in a hired hand mentality? Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsandmarcus.com for other exciting content from Summit.